0: Hello everybody, welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're here. As we continue on in the study we're doing through the New Testament, we're working through it a chapter at a time, pretty much a chapter at a time, and we're, we're very glad you're here with us today. We have uh, covered a lot of ground already in uh, the last three and a half years. Um, We've uh, worked our way through the Gospels, and, and uh, through uh, the book of Acts. Coming out of the book of Acts, we were talking about the missionary journeys, obviously, of Paul, and we decided we would work through the letters of Paul together, um, so we could hold those letters in context with what was going on. And um, You know, we, I, I've stressed to you the importance of studying the Scripture in context. Um, the, the most of the uh, letters of Paul were written back to churches that were going through issues and struggles, and he was addressing certain problems that um, the individual churches were having. Um, it makes sense that they were struggling because the church was so new, nobody really knew how to do it. And uh, there was a lot of issues, Then, depending on the culture they were in and the, what they were used to, and they were having to, you know, transform people's ideas and... Um, There was just a a lot of unknowns in the process and so there was a lot of struggles and issues just like there is in the church today. And uh, word would get to Paul, either they would come and tell him or send him a letter about issues and he would write back addressing those issues and give them wisdom to deal with the problems. And um, the wisdom is still applicable today um, just as long as we understand it in the context it was written. And uh, so the same issues kind of still impact us today, so most of it just is a quick transfer into what we're doing, but, but we need to hold these things in context or else we can take everything out of context, which is why we have as many issues as we have. Uh, so we want to study it in context to the best of our ability. And so we're working through that together a chapter at a time and talking about what's happening. As we move into these letters to Timothy and to Titus, we're in 1 Timothy right now, these letters are really written to his sort of protégés and he is encouraging them um, to teach well. And uh, they're really letters about teaching and we, we looked and we've, when we started this about how many different areas Paul's encouraging them to address. Uh, but it's not just, you know, teaching for the sake of knowledge, it's, it's teaching on living the Christian life, and how all those things fit together. And that's, you know, the primary thrust of 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus. As we move into chapter 4 of 1st Timothy, um, Paul is continuing to encourage and exhort Timothy, um, who at this point is working with the church in Ephesus. And um, like I said, it's, it's mostly Paul trying to equip Timothy and Titus so that they might equip the saints and the emphasis is on teaching how to live the life of a believer so let's read the verses together in 1st Timothy chapter 4 there's 16 verses I'll be reading out of the NIV Uh, that's what's on the notes we passed out whatever your translation is would you prefer you can read along as well and then we'll uh, we'll discuss it together beginning in verse 1 of 1st Timothy chapter 4 the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings, teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good." and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has a value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all men and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, yourself, to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers." And blessed be the word of the Lord. All right. So let's uh, hit a few of the highlights. Um, There in the first six verses, one of the things that Paul talks about is the, the latter times, the later times or the last days. And uh, often people have questions about what that means. Are, are these the last days? When will we be in the last days? What do the last days look like? Um, yes, we are in the last days. We have been in the last days since the crucifixion. That's when the last days started. So there, we've got 2,000 years of last days so far. Um, but, but that's when they started and they continue until Jesus returns. Um, These are the last days. And as I said, the church has been in the last days since it started. Uh, um, One of the things that we teach here uh, at the Vineyard is about the kingdom of God. And when we talk about the kingdom, we refer to the time that we're in as um, the now and the not yet. Or the already and the not yet. That's the the definition to me of what it means to live in these last days. And what that means is this. Jesus has already come. And he's inaugurated the kingdom of God. When he came the first time, he inaugurated the kingdom of God. Um, When he comes back again, he will consummate the kingdom of God. So the kingdom is here because it's been inaugurated by his first coming. It's not fully here because that doesn't happen until he comes back. And so we live in this tension of the now and the not yet, understanding that will help you deal with a lot of different passages that say things like um, the kingdom of God is here, which it says, and then it also says the kingdom of God is coming, and you go, well, if it's here, how can it be coming? Because it's here, but it's not fully here, and when you start talking about, um, you know, uh, the the different um, ideas in scripture, you'll find that running it through that filter will help you Uh, Sort of be able to hold things until uh, in tension until he comes, and so we live in that tension of the now and the not yet, or the already and not yet of the kingdom. Um, We we talk about this, and uh, I, I tell you that it's that understanding that, um, it, you know, is the driving force behind us when we pray, um, when we pray in faith for God to move. And we'll move into a situation and we'll say, God, um, when you uh, come back, you're going to set everything right. And, and so, Lord, we ask in faith that since you've come, um, would, you, would you do it now? And we, we trust that God is sovereign and that, that he certainly can do or... or, or won't do depending on what, what he's got planned but we can ask in faith because we know he's going to come and do that when he comes back that at some point in time he's coming to set everything right so we live in a tension and, and what we're called to live in this tension is, is to continually seek after God and to pray and ask him to move but to understand that we still um, have some um, uh, issues with the enemy who's still at work and, and yet in effect Rendered powerless at the cross, there's still mop-up battles that are going on until Jesus comes back. When he sets everything right and everything gets back to where it needs to be. But the the enemy, and we've been talking about this on Sunday mornings, he still operates. um, he, He tries to make people think he's powerful, but what he's reduced to is tricks. Schemes, lies, and deceptions. That's the realm that he operates in. Now, because Jesus has already come, the kingdom is here, not fully here. When he comes back, he'll, he'll put an end to all of that as well. But there's this in-between time, this tension time that we live in. And uh, this is the, the time of the church. And what we're to do in this time is uh, to redeem it by telling people about the good news. That there's hope for them that Jesus has come and, and that Jesus is coming back. And that life is found in him and nowhere else. And so that's our mission. And, and that's what we're all about and that's what we do, but we live in the last days and we have been until then. Until he returns, Paul uh, teaches to Timothy, tells Timothy to tell the people that we need to be very wary of false teachers and false teaching. And um, the problem is that false teachers often appear to be people of discipline and morality and that's how they get people to um, Continue and oftentimes false teachers they'll 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 pull that off by putting a lot of rules in place and they'll say okay so these are all the rules and people um, we respond uh, I don't know why we uh, I, I do know why but <laughs> the the problem is we're supposed to be in relationship um, in Christ and and be led by the Spirit and, and listening and moving under the unction of the Spirit so we know what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. Um, but that takes connection, and it takes relationship, and it takes time, and it takes, you know, focus. And oftentimes we would say, well that's a lot of effort, can't you just tell me the rules so that I can deal with the rules, and then I don't have to spend all the time, I'll just have the rules. And and so people have always, okay, well then here's the rules, these are the things you don't do. But the problem is when you, when you live under those rules, you get very hard-hearted very quickly. And you stop caring about people, and, and that's what's always happened, to the established religious community when it gets focused on rules is they quit doing the mission we're called to which I talked about which is tell people the good news because it's it's so um, we're so stuck in, in, in the, these rules that we can't let people know about the neat life they can have in Christ because you know who wants to come when it's all it looks like it's all rules and so then you that he Paul calls them hypocritical liars because they have all these rules out there they can't live up to and it just becomes this big mess so We need to to be aware of false teachings and false teachers, and we always need to be looking for the truth in Christ, and everything needs to line up with the Word of God, and, and, you know, we need to do our best to continue to read it, study it, and understand it, and grow in it, and ask the Spirit to show us what it means, and all those things in the process, and and, uh, always be... Um, careful that we're we're taking the whole thing into account and not getting stuck in a little part out of context that's where a lot of people get in trouble they get a little part out of context and it becomes the basis for a theology that doesn't fit with the rest of the text and so that's where we need to be really careful and and be aware and study the scriptures diligently to be aware of those things Paul says that these false teachers um, are hypocrites and liars that encourage people to follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. This is, you know, straight out of the lies and deceptions of the evil one. At the time in Ephesus, the false teachers um, were were following some Greek philosophers and philosophies who taught that the body was evil and that only the soul mattered. Um, And that teaching is known as Gnosticism. And it still exists today. There, there are many groups that still gravitate towards Gnosticism. And um, in the teaching of Gnosticism, the God of creation um, it, it can't be good because his contact, his very contact with the physical world would have soiled him. That's what's believed by the Gnostics. So, so God, um, um, what the Gnostics ultimately believe is that, that Jesus um, could never have been fully man as well as fully God. But it's at it's the, the heart of the gospel is that Jesus was fully man and fully God. So he was in full contact with his creation. God was in full contact with his creation and, and we believe that to be an important part. If he wasn't in full contact with the creation and experiencing the things he did and then willingly give his life for us, then we, we still have an issue with sin because it wouldn't have been covered. And so Gnosticism causes a, this huge problem in, 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 in that their sin hasn't been covered and dealt with. So Paul says in those verses that um, everything that God created is good and that we should be thankful for what he's created and for um, how how his creation blesses us and how his created gifts give us, you know, pleasure and enjoyment. We need to be careful not to, to abuse them, which is a trick and a trap of the enemy, to take something that God created good and twist it just enough so that now it's something that we abuse instead of enjoy, happens all the time and we never want to take it for granted either Um, but we should learn to always enjoy the gifts that God gives us and uh, ultimately by learning how we can use them to serve and honor God which is how it was all intended to be so that needs to be what we're looking at and uh, Gnosticism um, like I said still exists and it was a problem, has been a problem throughout the church Um, and and, uh, Paul certainly dealt with it, the early church um, their, their attempt at dealing with Gnosticism um, is what produced the Apostles' Creed. And uh, I'm sure most of you have heard the Apostles' Creed, which um, we can trace back to about 140 AD in, in the Greek um, language. And uh, it's called the Apostles' Creed, but it wasn't written by the apostles. Um, it was written by the early church, you know, uh, fathers, who um, sort of were in it trying to encapsulate or summarize apostolic teaching, in particular in dealing with um, Gnosticism. And the Apostles' Creed says, you know, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting uh, Amen. That's the Apostles' Creed, and uh, like I said, um, we can trace it back to 140 A.D., so pretty close to the beginning of the church, but it was the, that creed was written to um, deal with Gnosticism and to, um, you know... encourage people to understand that Jesus was fully man. The other creed, the other big famous creed, the Nicene Creed, was actually written to deal with the opposite problem, which was people doubting that Jesus was fully God. And so the Nicene Creed takes care of that one, uh, which came out in 325 uh, AD at the Council of Nicaea. But the Apostles' Creed deals with the issue of Gnosticism. Okay. And I'm sure you took all that in. Verses 7 through 11. Um, Interesting verse in verse 8 actually. For physical training is of some value but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And so uh, in this series we're doing on Sunday Do You Want to Get Well? and in our upcoming Sunday night series, not this Sunday but the one after the 11th where we're going to talk about the disciples well and we're talking about in particular on Sunday nights um, the importance of both um, spiritual and physical wellness and that the enemy has tried to steal life from us by messing up all of that stuff by, by just twisting it and getting it all out of, out of order and, and all those things um, but, but it always starts with our spiritual health uh, always everything starts there praying well and living well which is what we're talking about Sunday mornings is the, the primary things because that kind of life is now and forever life um, the physical stuff is important, so we have a quality of life now, but it's not as important as our now and forever life. It is important, but not as important. Everything starts in having a solid spiritual life. And so that's why we are spent so much time on encouraging you to do the things that it takes to develop a solid spiritual life. Reading the Word, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, spending time in fellowship, um, choosing to do the next right thing. All these things are a part of a solid walk in the Lord that are so important in our lives. And then they'll help us in the other areas of our lives that, that we need to bring into balance. So um, that's what he says there in the middle. Verses 12 through 16. Um, Timothy was a young pastor. And because of his youth, older Christians um, might not always respond to him um, you know, in, a, in the best possible way. Um, and um, that's, that's an issue that continues um, in life in, uh, in lots of different ways. Um, so what Timothy was going to have to do was earn their respect by setting an example in his speech, in his life, in his love, in his faith, and in his purity. And the point is this, that at every age in the life of believers, we're to live life in such a way that so people can see Christ in you. That's really what we're called to at every age in the spectrum. If, we, if you love Jesus, you're supposed to live this life in a way that when people look at you, they can see Jesus in you. Not pretend, not wearing masks, not saying one thing and living another, but, you know, in the honesty of our struggles. It's not a call to be perfect because we're not, but the, the call is to live trying to do the next right thing, which is what we talk about. Trying. To, to make good decisions that honor God and, and listen for His way, uh, understanding that sometimes we're going to mess up because we, we sin, um, and yet we have a God who loves us, and He forgives us when we ask, and then, um, we, you know, we have each other to help us make better decisions and encourage us. We have the Holy Spirit empower us to choose to do the next right thing, and holding that in balance so we continue to press on. But, but the, the people need to—it's so much better for people to see honest— um, walking this thing out than it is to try and act like you've got stuff together you don't have together. And then when they see that you don't have it together, which they know anyway, then they get to label you hypocrites. From what they, and you know what they get to say then? The church is full of hypocrites. So I'm not going. And, and I would much rather they say, the church is full of broken people. I am one too. I should be there. That's what, that's what it needs to look like. Broken people, who desperate for a savior, but in, in finding him then desiring to live for him and, and uh, trusting that he'll continue to work in us to help us become you know, more and more like him in the journey to, that to we start to you know, live like he lived and see like he sees and, and think like he thinks and serve like he serves, but, but always you know, fallen so far short of that. And yet knowing that we've got God who loves us, picks us up, says, okay, go do it again. Get out there and do the next right thing. And I love you and you're forgiven and go. And um, so we need to hold all this in context together in the process. And, and those verses are, are, are Paul's way of encouraging Timothy. And, and so, uh, you know, I read that and I think, again, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we'll, we'll probably come around to it again. We spent, um, I don't know, several months talking about the ministry of encouragement. And I, I'm in our kind of basic thing all the time, I tell you all the time to be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so that we can get one lost child back to dead. You hear that every time that you hear here. Um, those, the encouragement part of that is something we, it, that is so vital and important. And, and when I see Paul doing it with Timothy, Paul is encouraging Timothy because Timothy needed to be encouraged. Like everybody needs to be encouraged. Isn't it good to be encouraged? Don't, don't, I mean, the reality is, don't you like it when someone encourages you? And, and because you like it, you should know that it's good for you to encourage others. But for some reason, we get very stingy with our words and our encouragement. And I'm not sure why we do that, but we do. That's why I'm always saying, encourage at least two people a day to press you outside of that. It's good to encourage people. And you remember the whole, if some of you don't, you weren't here. But I always said, you know, if you encourage two people every day, then three people are encouraged. Because I promise you, God will encourage you when you encourage others. I promise. He promises. And, and, and he's really good at encouraging. And it, I love how it happens that that God encourages. I love I love the, the phone calls out of the blue that someone would, would uh, uh, I had one this week. Someone called and they had uh, they had moved away and they came back for for a Sunday and he called up and they were so encouraging about you know what what was going on and how how they felt coming back in and and uh, how I mean and and it was encouraging you know it's you need that because you're going to hear a lot of stuff that's not encouraging. Do you hear any of that? I, I hear some of that sometimes, too. And you're like, ah. But, but the encouragement f- m- is is so vital. I was at the Winn-Dixie. You know how I like to go to Win dixie And uh, I was at the Winn-Dixie like a week ago. And uh, saw one of the women in the church. And uh, uh dear saint, um, uh, you know, older than me. Let me put it that way. And uh, I'd like to stay safe in there. Oh, and she, she said to me, you know... Um, since you started really encouraging us to get back and read the Bible every day for five minutes, she said, I haven't done it every day, but I've really gotten back into it. And she said, you know, i got to tell you, the other day I sat down, so okay, I'll do five minutes, started to read. Next time I looked up, 20 minutes had gone by. She had a big smile on her face. And I was like, yes, that's it. See, that's, that's, the, that's, that's encouragement, you know what I mean? And it comes from all over the place. She was telling me, you know, she was, in, but it was so encouraging. And so knowing that, how encouragement makes you feel make it a priority in your life to encourage others it's a ministry that the church should be constantly involved in and everybody in the church can be absolutely everybody can be an encourager absolutely everybody at every age can be involved in the ministry of encouragement and everybody should be and 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 it should um, it should take the place of the ministry of judgment and criticism and finger-pointing, which is, uh, it seems like some people really enjoy that ministry. It's a terrible ministry. <laughs> Don't be in it. This one, much better. Um, and, and so I want to encourage you to encourage others. And God will encourage you as well. And uh, that's, the, that's the highlights of 1 Timothy 4. I think we can... We can safely finish there. If you're watching on television or on video, thank you so much for spending your time with us. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate you connecting with us during this time. Don't forget to come and visit us if you're ever in Big Pine. We'd love to see you and have you here. Uh, If you need prayer, go to our website at keysvineyard.com, hit the prayer page, and uh, send us a request and we'll be praying for you. Or you can call us. The number's there. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. And we'll call it a night with that.